welcome to another Monday evening, night, afternoon. What is it? It's four o'clock. Yeah, it's something. It's sunny outside. I'll say <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. Um. So things are a little bit different now. Um, things are uh, constantly changing. If you listened last week, you heard um, what happened. If we didn't, go back and listen because uh, that way we can make I get more listeners, <laughs> more hits, uh, if you will. Um, so yeah, things are, are are changing. A lot of things are going to be different, and uh, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. We don't know what's going to happen uh, further down the road, uh, but things are going to be different. That's for for darn sure. Right. Uh, not to bring you into this, Chris, but you did come on, you know, and fill in at the end of the sure. show last week. But I don't want arguing anymore. I don't want. God damn it! Into- why not? <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I mean, I, I, I. I <laughs> I don't want to air dirty laundry on this show, but that's how I kind of kind of do things. I'm as open and honest as you could possibly be. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want anxiety when I get up to do a show. That quite frankly, I'm getting nothing for at this point. Right. Um, I don't want anger on the show. I don't want people mad listening to the show. I don't mind confrontation. Sure. I don't mind different opinions. But I do mind the kind of crap, quite frankly, that's been going on on this show. Well, and, and like like you just said, man, you cannot, it, look, it's for fun. It's yeah. for fun. And you cannot, if you're doing a show and your stomach hurts going into it, then you can't, you can't keep going the way you're going. I want new sponsors for this show. I want the sponsors that I have for the show to be happy with the way that it's going. Right. And... I want the the fans of the show to enjoy the way that the show is going. And and quite frankly, if I don't enjoy the way that the show is going, then I don't know how anybody else can either. Right. Um, And I frankly apologize. I apologize to everybody listening because I'm just as guilty of getting emotions and anger involved in a show that, is supposed to be a good time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to be like that. I don't want it to be like that anymore. And I'm, I'm going to make sure that that is not the case going forward. Sure. And so if the show is different, that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> and, and according to you, it is different. <laughs> yes. And so that's just the reality of the situation at this point. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm looking forward to the future and not... Uh, the past obviously right on so a lot of good things are happening i talked to uh well first of all chuck zakowski is going to be joining us shortly actor and ufo expert ufologist as they call him yeah ufonut.com is his uh website right (laughs) that'll be fun And Seth froze. <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> All right, Seth, where where you be, pal? All right. Well, that's. <laughs> of course, I get to sit in as the uh, as the replacement and immediately deal with this, but that's all right. 
We can do that. We can definitely do what we got to do. So let me find the little buttons here. This is one of the advantages I have is that I know where all the buttons are. So, um, all right, let's just take a quick break. Get everything regrouped. We'll get started. We'll talk some UFOs and we'll talk some other stuff. I think, and maybe oh, there he is. It's the ghost of a past here that is uh, taking over. <laughs> I was like, I was like, damn it! Two minutes in, and we're frozen. I got a wing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the hell happened, but it, it, connection was interrupted. But again, so, uh, um, Chuck Tukowski, actor, UFOlogist, UFO.com, could be joining us uh, shortly. Sure. Uh, God willing. And then uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> on Wednesday, Charles Guile, friend of the show, friend of the Trib show, will be joining us. Okay. Uh, he suffered a heart issue, had a yeah. quintuple bypass. Oh, boy. And so he's going to come on. What and talk does that about, mean? Does that all four valves had to be like cleaned out? Is well, that what that means? Quintuples five. Well, what is the fifth one? So I guess well, we'll have to find out. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll about see it. what that's all about. So he's going to be joining us, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, very cool. Another big announcement we are going to be talking about uh, going forward here is that uh, Billy. I talked to Billy Morris today. Sure. Wow. That's that is a big anu- announcement. <laughs> that is a big announcement because I think he's been dodging me for for quite some time. No, he. Uh, I think he, that guy is more busy than um, all of us put together. Yeah, he's he's a busy dude. Yes. He uh, so he and I talked this morning, and I think we're going to be making announcements, and we'll talk about it later in the show today about the uh, feeding the police campaign. Like that. Um. Did it with the the Triv show, and I think we're going to try to continue on. We have at least one scheduled so far with a bunch more in the works, as far as I know. If I remember right, that was the first time in a decade and a half that I had seen you. Yes. Uh, was it Twinsburg? Twinsburg, yeah. I remember. I remember my wife and my wife had the day off that day, and her sister had the day off that day. They stopped by, and then you stopped by, and it was a... Uh, yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, that was during during COVID. At some point during COVID, and um, I know Billy just called me up. Was like, "Hey, I'm going to be in town. Do you want a free lunch?" You know, and I was like, "Yeah, of <laughs> course." I was like, "Anytime smoking rock and roll is offered for free, I'm in." And then once I got there and saw what it was, I was like, "All right, well, I could pass out some some food to some police too. I'm you know I'm I'm pro cop." And that's what I did. I helped I helped Billy and you guys pass out meals to to all the different cops. It's great. Yeah. With everything that's been going on in the past couple of years with the police and sure, you know, the fact that you, know, you don't have to love when the police are behind you and they pull you over. Yeah, <laughs> but of course not. Usually, usually they're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of got to respect the job that they do and what they uh, have to put up with. And they've been demonized. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so crazy. I, it's crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy what it is these days, man. It's like, it's you know, everybody hates the cops till they need the cops. And that's that's such a garbage way to live, you know? It's just, you know what, I, I, would you want to do that job? Could they, no. could they pay you enough money to do that job? You could pay me enough money to do any job at this point in my life. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it would be a tough job to do right now because you get no respect. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, you know, it's, it's a job that, you know, 
is very tough. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the media, the way that they, they are now, and, I mean, protests over everything. Yeah. I think it, it's something that we need to uh, to bring back. And I was happy to get the call from Billy this morning. Sure. I know we've got some people lined up that are going to uh, be sponsoring. Now, if you'd like to sponsor one of these things, you can uh, get a hold of Billy or you can email me. Uh, SethWilliams32 at Yahoo.com. SethWilliams32 at Yahoo.com. Um, and we can uh, try to do something there because... I think a lot of people want to get involved in something like this. Of course. Yeah, and, and it's a fun event. You know, I mean, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's any big deal just showing up and handing out lunches and stuff. But, man, you don't know the, the appreciation the cops feel until you do it. You actually see it. You know, they stop being cops and start being, hey, you know, I, I know when I did it, you know, and people were like, how do you know Billy or whatever? And I was like, oh, you know, this, that. And I would tell them that I, too, was on MMS for a while. And, and they would be like, oh, man, that's right. I used to listen back and, bu-, you know, you, they, the cops stop being cops and they start being regular, regular Marys and Janes again. You know, they, they start being regular people and it's a good time. It's definitely a good time. I hell, I bet you I don't know this, but I would imagine that if people just want to come out and hand out meals, I'm sure that's probably welcome. No. Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the deal. I, my opinion of the police is great. I'm not sure why anyone would want to be a police officer today, but thankfully there are people that do. From yeah. Um, the, the thing, people don't seem to understand, like these police events, you know, Tripp talked about them a lot. Sure. And, you know, we were on the air talking about it all the time, but not all of them were just, you know, 20,000 know, people sitting at the police station, you know, watching police eat. That's not what it's about. No. You can come out. You can absolutely come out. You can come out and enjoy the food. You can come out and do, you know, say hi to the cops, thank the cops, and we mm-hmm. want you to do that. Uh, but it's basically about us just giving back to the uh, the police themselves. Uh, sure. And firefighters sometimes, and, you know, first responders. I mean, that's what we're there for. Right. It's, it's not, especially now, It's not, this is not for, it doesn't benefit me. I don't get paid to go out there and do this. Right, sure. I, I just want to do it, and I know Billy wants to do it. Joe Burdick. Uh, from Burdick Custom Flags, he makes the flags that he hands to the police officers, and they have Great. hanging in their department. Um, it's a very good thing, and it's for them. But we, of course, invite everybody to come out and uh, yeah, or hang out with us. It's just a good opportunity to say, you know what? Even though you guys are getting treated like shit by most people, you know, thanks, thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks for making it so that I don't have to keep a gun in my hand every night when I go to bed. You know, it's it's the little tiny things is, you know, people can demonize the cops all they want. But in the end, you know, if you go to bed without a gun in your hand and you're not worried about waking up tomorrow, that's because there's cops on duty. You may not believe that, but that is the truth of the matter is that is 100 percent why you can do that. And you better be thankful they're there because that job. No, thank you. And it's so frustrating because, you know, one of the things that I get so angry about and have been angry about, not to keep bringing it up, but with this show is, in my opinion, mm-hmm. there is a right and there's a wrong. Sure. Now, when it comes to the police, just like in every single profession that there is, there are bad people. Right. Right. There are bad doctors. There are bad lawyers. And yes, some of the bad doctors cost lives. Mm-hmm. So don't sit there and say that, you know, well, the, you know, the police makes the wrong decision. They can kill somebody. Well, yes, but it happens in a lot of professions. Sure. And there's a lot of bad in every single profession. There are a lot of really mm-hmm. bad teachers out there. 
And I think that teachers are a very important profession too, but there are some really bad ones out there. Right. Um, but when it comes to the police, again, Triv always said, if somebody's breaking your home, you're not calling a plumber. Right. No, that's right. And- I, look, there, there's, there's, I, I say this all the time on all my dumb shows, but you know what? And if you're guilty of an ism, then you're an idiot. You know, whether it, whether it's racism, you know, trans, transism, whatever it is, if you, if you are literally putting people into a collective as a group and saying, well, that whole group is X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, good or bad, you're, you're a moron because it's just not true. You know, and, and I, I would say that, that hating the cops is the same as hating black people. You know, it's the, it's a, it's a different race that you're hating. You're hating the blue race instead of the, you know, black race or the Chinese race or whatever, whatever it is. It's the same. They're like, like you said, there's bad cops. Of course there are. There's bad lawyers. There's bad doctors. There's bad plumbers. There's bad architects, you know. But you can't pick one case no. and just label them all bad. No. Yeah, I, no, you, you you should label you you should label the bad ones as assholes. Now, I will say this with the cops, I I personally think they should come down way harder on the cops. The not not necessarily to make mistakes like you know the guy that accidentally shoots somebody and a you know they make a decision in a tenth of a second and shoot and shoot somebody. Right. But uh, you know the ones that use the badge to you know rape chicks or to to do whatever you know i definitely think they should come down way harder you know treat it like the death penalty i mean really if you're using your badge for bad you should get a minimum 25 year sentence so that you discourage the behavior you know but that's a that's that's not it's not what's on the books yet so you know for now we'll just have have the media demonize the cops and then a select group of people that, that go around hating cops, I guess, but won't right. be us. Well, we're we're going to get into more of what we're going to be doing a little bit later in the show, but right now our guest has actually joined us. Okay, excellent. Which I'm very excited about. Sure. Um, we talked about on the show maybe a, a month ago mm-hmm. about cow mutilations that have been happening. Right. The tongue has been removed. The insides removed. No blood, no tire tracks, no footprints, nothing. Wow. And I know this man has studied it, as well as many other UFOs and everything else going on. Um, actor, UFO nut, UFOnut.com. Chuck Zikowski, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Good. I don't know about actor. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it says in your IMDb. So. Well, you know, they say that... Um, <laughs> I guess if you you know if you have a TV show, um, they just refer to you as a, as an actor, even though you know I'm just an investigator, and it was my TV show. Although, although there was one B-rated movie that I did where I I did act, and nice. uh, it's uh, it, it was it's just like a, a a horror flick, a scary movie thing, and what they did it was almost like um, uh, you know it was it was combination of of reality. And then, um, you know, uh, non-reality, sort of like the Blair Witch Project. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess in that case, that would be the only acting. Everything else is just basically being me, you know, being an investigator. And with Alien Highway, there was no scripts or anything. You know, a lot of times I met the people, my witnesses for the first time in person, you know, before I've talked to them on the phone. And they just ran, you know, cameras on us 
while I just interviewed them for the first time and there was no, you know, stop, let's redo this or anything like that. Worked out pretty well. I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I know that we've done uh, a lot on this show talking about the stuff that's been going on in Texas with the animals and everything. And people are very interested in this kind of stuff. Um, How long have you been studying UFOs and stuff like that? Oh, gosh, I've been in it for over three decades now, about 35 years. You know, I was I actually I was when I was quite young, I was in elementary school and uh, it was about 10 years ago. No. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I remember, uh, you know, I was always fascinated with Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff. And I you know, I came from a small town in uh, Safford, Arizona, small town. And um, I've always had a fascination with paranormal ever since I can remember. And then as I got older, I decided to get more involved in it. I started going to, you know, lectures and conferences and decided to, uh, you know, start doing my own investigations. And then when I started doing that, I actually found out that my my mom and my aunt both had experiences when they were young. So it, it might be in the family. Now, I I don't even know where to begin because there's so much I want to ask you. Um, but the latest story that we had seen and that we started talking about were these cattle, again, that were found. I know that the cattle has been, this, this kind of story has been around for a while, but they've been mutilated to the point where there's no tire tracks, no footprints. The carcasses have been kind of lifted up and maybe put down where they've been. But the precision of the removing of the organs, the precision of the way this stuff is done can't really be explained. Now, how, what, what's going on? Well, you know, um, this has been going on for years and years and years. Actually, I think the first case was around 1896, I believe, in Missouri. Um, But it really became popular in 1967 with Snippy the horse uh, outside of Alamosa. Uh, Snippy was found at the base of Blanca Peak over in San Luis Valley here in Colorado. And that was really the first case of mutilation that went worldwide. And matter of fact, for your, you know, your viewers out there. If you're ever in Alamosa area, there's a little town called Hooper and the UFO Watchtower is there. And it's run by my good friend, Medi, uh, uh, Judy Meslin, <laughs> my good friend, and I forgot her name, right? <laughs> and anyway, she acquired uh, Snippy the Horse's bones. So, so she's got a, a skeleton of Snippy the Horse from 67 on display there. So if you're ever in the Alamosa area, you know, it's kind of interesting to see that. But this has been going around She's like I said, since the late 1800s. But since 1967, we estimated over 10,000 cases, well over that by now, uh, kind of worldwide. And for every case that law enforcement investigated, they've never found evidence of an animal being a predator or a human causing it. Uh, There's no clue. Now, for every case that I do, I always learn about two or three other cases that happened to the rancher in the past. So that's how you get that 10,000 cases. Right. So, uh, what, uh, everything. Sure. Chuck, what, what role do you think the media has in getting people to disbelieve ufology or UFOs? And, and I, I think it has a huge part because every time they portray anybody as seeing ufos or whatever they portray them as some nut off the off the trailer park in the middle of arkansas somewhere and then when it is somebody legitimate like an astronaut or a buzz aldrin or somebody they kind of keep that as quiet as they could possibly keep it 
you know, do you think that the media is part of the reason that the people's belief in UFOs and in and in extraterrestrials, I guess, is is not more widely accepted? Well, of course. I mean, when I first started doing this, they called me a UFO nut. You're just sure. some UFO nut guy. So instead of getting mad, I decided to roll with it. I go, you're going to call me that? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to own it. Sure. And matter of fact, I own the word UFO nut is trademarked now. So I am the official UFO nut here in the United <laughs> States because I just owned it. And, you know, I put it on my license plate. Uh, uh, my motorcycle says, you know, a UFO biker. My trailer says, camper says UFO lab. And, you know, so I, I kind of owned it uh, years ago. And by doing that, uh, it made me more uh, credible as, uh, as a person that when I do my investigations, you know, because I own it, you know, I, I make sure that I think about it and address it analytically first. I try to eliminate all possibilities and plausibilities before you claim otherwise. Now, with cat animal mutilations, um, you know, the, the media, you know, they're first to say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a human. It's somebody, you know, doing that. But they have no clue. You know, uh, their education or experience in investigating a dead animal is zero. Right let alone uh, some of the people that I've actually talked to who are reporters, they couldn't stand aside of seeing a dead cow, you know, let alone doing an investigation. Same thing with UFOs too. Now that's changed over the last few years since 2017 when it became public that the Pentagon, you know, is running their own UFO investigations. I kind of knew they were way before that just because of, of some people that I ran into that were associated with the government. So I had an idea that they were already doing it. But it seems recently now, especially since our, our fighter pilots are coming out saying, blah, look at this, look what I've seen, da, 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 you know. And for the debunkers and the skeptics out there that say all oh, that's BS, I, I just laugh at them because you can't compare just some guy sitting on a couch that pretends to be a couch investigator to one of our best fighter pilots, you know, in our military who's trained to see anomalies, to see things for their jets, right. to actually be able to, uh, you know, identify. I mean, there's a complete database of missiles and aircraft and all kinds of things that are in every jet to be able to identify within a millisecond, you know, what the radars picked up. And when, and when all that data cannot identify what the radar's seeing, what the pilot's, you know, seeing, that becomes a problem. Sure. All right, but but at the same time, we have a government that refuses to acknowledge that they can pick up a Chinese spy balloon going across with our radars. Um, so I guess I agree with Chris about the media, but is the government more to blame for not telling us what's going on? Well, yes and no, because there's 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 secret handshakes that we don't know about. I mean, the nuclear arms treaty that we had allowed China and Russia to fly things over the U.S., periodically so many times a year and we in turn flew things over their countries too so many times a year and that kind of kept us all in check so there is and there's probably still is some type of a handshaking behind the scenes to make sure that we don't get out of hand as far as Russia and China's concerned and versa vice so like the balloon thing I think the reason why they didn't make a big deal about it is because they knew about it and somewhat allowed it to a point 
until it became such, you know, big in the media blew up that, you know, they actually took it down. But, you know, I worked at Rockwell years ago and um, Rockwell security actually caught a Chinese, um, uh, basically a salesperson represented from China that was over, uh, you know, they were, they were wow. in our, in our fab and, and they were touring this dignitary you know, from China. And that son of a gun was stealing secrets and they caught him. So I wouldn't trust China as far as I could throw an elephant. You know? And right. I'm sure they probably couldn't trust us either way too. But, uh, you know, there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Now, yes, I think when you get to that level where, you know, you get the people talking to the public, there's probably some suppression there too. And, and it might be just because of that, that whole giggle factor of, you know, ridicule, disbelief and, and being made fun of. So a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. Jimmy Carter saw a UFO, Ronald Reagan saw a UFO. They came out publicly and said it. So sure. depends on who think, you are. Do you think though, that maybe they think that the people aren't ready to hear something like that? They're like, the people aren't yeah. prepared to, to know that there's aliens. Like, you know, and I am afraid so. And unfortunately, I, I have a tendency to agree with them somewhat. And you go, oh, why, why would you agree with them? Well, it, it changed my mind during COVID. You know, we went into a fight or flight situation. People were, were fighting each other for toilet paper and towels, paper towels. And they were hoarding and they were, you know, hoarding diapers and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and um, it became a fight or flight situation. So, and that was just COVID. Now, you, sure. now if the government comes out and says, hey, we have aliens flying over, what do you think is going to happen? The very first thing is going to happen is people are going to hit the grocery stores and they're going to start hoarding food. And they're going to, and they're just, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's exactly what's going to happen. So I would have, I would have disagreed with that before COVID. But after after physically seeing with my own eyes the way people were reacting, and 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 fighting with each other just over toilet paper, paper towels, hand wipes, it's like, yeah, I think we're still in the infinite stage of our species where we really don't understand. You know, we obviously don't understand how we retain photos in our own mind. How do we dream? How do we keep those pictures? How can we go back? remember things we still don't understand how our own body works how can we possibly understand what an alien does and sure. how it thinks and how it works sure let, yeah. let i, I want to swing back to the cattle uh, mutilation for a minute and i'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here just oh, because right here. <laughs> well, just because i'm sure you've had doubters and and i'm not saying i'm a doubter i'm, I'm saying an, i'm an i don't know her guy no go ahead that being said i every time i hear these stories about cattle being mutilated my first thought is, why does it always happen only to cattle? Why haven't we come across a person that's been cut up like this, or an elephant, or a, you know, or a zoo? Why haven't you know you got a, you got a whole collection of different species all in one place in like a zoo? Why hasn't it happened there? Why does it only happen to cattle? And why why is there never like ma and pa sitting on the porch and they see their cattle getting cut up? Well, actually, it does. Okay. And, and the thing is, is, um, you know, because a lot of people, you know, that aren't involved in it, like, like I am really don't know. Sure. 
the breadth of it, how 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 it expands. I personally have investigated horses, goats, pigs, a dog, you know, okay. besides cows, uh, elk, you know, okay. uh, and then there have been cases of human mutilation. Uh, there's a famous case out of Brazil. I think if you type human mutilation Brazil, you'll actually see a human who is cut up just like a like an animal is. Okay. I know the situation here in the in the U.S. and Tennessee and the in the Appalachians, I know of another situation. These are years ago, nothing recently, in Canada, where a woman was found mutilated. The problem with humans, though, and this is my background in law enforcement. I was a deputy sheriff for eight years. I was a volunteer. My day job is I see mass design. I apologize. You probably hear my phone going off. That's okay. <laughs> uh, that's that's a, that's. I mean, uh, it, I'm still part of a team. We're working on a lidar system and. And uh, everybody's chatting with each other. Sure. But um, basically, yeah, uh, you know, unless you unless you really delve into animal mutilations, yeah, there's a lot to it. Now, with the humans, though, like I said, uh, being uh, you know law, law enforcement, if it's a human, it's a homicide, and it, and if it's unsolved, the judge can put a gag order on everything and keep it from the public because. It's still an unsolved crime until they actually find the culprit. Okay. They never will. But I've actually seen, you know, photos. I've talked to other investigators, one in Canada, one on the East Coast that caught wind of, of a human. Now, it doesn't happen a lot. So I don't want to scare anybody out there. Now, this is still somewhat hearsay, except for the pictures that you see of the Brazilian case. Um But people claim to be abducted all the time, too. So, you know, it's something you have to think about. Right on. Now, what about Roswell? <laughs> I I know that you know growing up as a kid. Hello. One of those one of those things that you kind of have to ask somebody that's in your field is Roswell Area Fifty One real? Is there a crash site? Is there stuff going on there? What happened? You happen to pick the right person. <laughs> I that's all I've been reading about you. So yes. So yes, when I first started doing investigations out of California, um, I really got involved with Roswell. And when we would go on vacation, um, every time we go on vacation, we drive, I go by Roswell or by White Sands or Dulce or Towels or whatever. But um, I've been through Roswell so many times from the early days that, you know, I got I got to meet Glenn Dennis, the mortician, Walter Hott, the person who released Roswell Army Air Force Base captured flying disc, you know. So I got to actually meet and became friends with, uh, you know, those guys actually from 1947. I was also friends with Stanton Friedman. Uh, later on, I was, you know, as I got better at this, I was lecturing, you know, with Stanton. So I got to, I got to meet the guys that started Stanton Friedman, meaning he re-released it to the public back in, I forget, it was in the late 70s or something. I got to meet and I was good friends with Jesse Marcel Jr. Matter of fact, I was the first person and only person that took Jesse Marcel Jr. out to the debris site. Okay. So he could and, and actually see, you know, uh, what he, you know, the, the area where the material was that he saw when he was like eight or nine. Uh, so, you know, uh, it was really cool for me to get involved with that from the very beginning. Now, I did back in about 2000. So um, I did two archaeology digs with the Sci-Fi Channel. And the first one, it's a really long story, which probably means another podcast. But the bottom line is 
is after the production company cut and left, um, I argued with the archaeologist from the University of New Mexico to let me come back the next day. I say argue because it was a heated argument at 1.30 in the morning, you know, to let me come back the next day, 5 in the morning, and do my own dig while, while the archaeologists were there cleaning up the mess from the production company. And by letting me do my own dig the way I wanted to do it and not the way sci-fi wanted to do it, I found a piece of metal. So my sister and I were working on it. So I was doing the strip digging. It was It's one by five meter strip digs, about maybe eight inches deep at the most, because you're only going back 60, 70 years. Sure. And I found a little piece of metal. And uh, it's about the size of the, I want to say middle figure, I'll use index figure. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was triangular. And, and uh, you know, I was get, I was, I was, I was digging the dirt. My sister, Debbie, was uh, you know sifting it and she you know it came out of the dirt and when they hit the sun all three corners it's not a perfect triangle but you know just triangular shape mm-hmm. all three sides curled up when it hit the sun when you put it in a little manila envelope you know flattened out again so it was either conducive to heat or solar radiation or light or something but it did it every time uh, I, I asked the University of New Mexico, I asked the International UFO Museum in Roswell, I also asked Sci-Fi if we could do more tests on it because they only did it like a $25 visual test on all the artifacts we found. And, and the lab says, well, this looks like the back of duct tape. And I said, no, it's not the back of duct tape. <laughs> so they wouldn't do it. So I convinced um, the archaeologist before he had it archived to let me borrow it for a couple of, of months. Actually, I had it for about four weeks. And I ran my own tests here in Colorado Springs using electron scanning microscope. And it turned out to be an aluminum silicon alloy with trace elements of titanium. Now, what the hell is that doing under that much dirt in the middle of the desert? Right. <laughs> and then, so the next year, I did a press release at Roswell. And lo and behold, who popped up and said, hey, my lab will, will research that further for you? Robert Bigelow, the billionaire that we later found out in 2017 was working for the government right. for the Pentagon. Hmm. So he was probably working there also at that time, too. And so they took it. And within the first week, I got an email. This is on, on my website, even the emails on my website, on my, you know, on my blogs. I, I blog about everything. I, I don't I don't hide any. Well, a couple things I hide, but not most. <laughs> majority of stuff I don't hide. Um and, and the email says, well, within the first week, um, it turns out to be an unknown polymer based on the catalog of known or most popular polymers that the lab had, which that tells me that it's it wasn't common to anything like aluminum foil or anything like that, that it was unknown. It doesn't mean it's unknown to the planet. It just means it wasn't a common polymer. Okay. So then I asked the lab, what's next? And they said, isotope analysis. We want to see if it's from the earth. That's the last I heard of Bigelow. Hmm. It, it went right into the sinkhole. Right. And, and it was exactly a year later, I got an email from the lab after multiple times of asking. And this is in the book, The 37th Parallel, for anybody out there that wants to read about this. Um, not my book. It was written by Ben Mesrick about me, but it's, it's all in there. Um, I got an email back saying, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> and we sent it back to the University of New Mexico. But I don't know if they, well, of course, I'm sure they knew that. So what I did was is the, the actual piece itself, I had to go through the whole process 
of, of talking with the board of directors, the University of New Mexico and the archaeology department, the whole bit to allow the piece to be analyzed. So there's a lot of paperwork, about a couple months of, of paperwork that I had to do. But part of the paperwork was you're going to cut a piece off and give the piece to Bigelow and still keep a piece in archive. And that's what they did. So we still have an original piece in archive. Wow. Now, wasn't there, wasn't there a run back in the day where they, people wanted to storm Area 51 and people talk about <laughs> Because I, I know that there was like a group of people that's putting all over social media that they got to run, they're going to storm the gates and see what's there. Yeah. But they yeah, didn't do it. Right? Around, yeah, that was around 2019 when I was doing Alien Highway. Because at the time, Alien Highway was being broadcasted on, on um, the Travel Channel. So Travel Channel actually contacted me and said, can you do a little piece on, you know, we're going to we're gonna videotape you, you know, via the internet of, of, of what's going to happen if you storm or if you won. <laughs> and so I kind of did that. It's still on the the, the uh, Travel Channel's website, Alien Hire website, you know, where it says, you know, a little video of me telling people not to do it. Because when I was in California, too, I was also an Area 51 connoisseur, you know. And and, um, and I knew all the, the guys back then were talking with them. And, and one of the main guys, his name was Glenn Campbell, not the singer. But his name was Glenn Campbell, and he had a little trailer outside um, the little alien inn in Rachel, Nevada. And he was an investigator. And I have actually somewhere in my books back here, I have um, his field guide of, of you know, of investigating Area 51. So I had hired, well, actually, I was set to go with a guide to Freedom Ridge to take pictures of Area 51. And matter of fact, let me see this finger right there. You're somewhere over there. There it is. Anyway, one of those pictures behind me is actually the picture I shot from Area 51. Uh, but right before I went to go out on Freedom Ridge, Nellis Air Force Base land grabbed Freedom Ridge. So then I talked with the, you know, the, my guide, and they said, well, there's this mountain called Tickaboo Peak. We've only had a couple of people go up so far, so we'll be cutting a a trail up there. I said, sounds cool to me. And so um, I went ahead and uh, um, went hiked up to Gaboo Peak. And it was probably about 19 miles away. And we, you know, I shot pictures of Area 51. And, and actually, one of the pictures that I took, um, you could see something flying by off in the distance. It was pretty cool. Wow. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to shut off my phone so you don't hear that anymore. <laughs> no, you're, you're, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're not, okay, I'm not going to talk to him anyway. I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> right. Uh, let me let me ask you this, Chuck. And this is, and, and I'll give you a bit of background before I ask the question. I, when I was in the military, which a lot of years ago at this point, you know, back in the late '80s, I was in the military. But I was not my hair. <laughs> yeah, I know not not with this, but yeah, I had a better haircut then. But. um I, I was an MI guy and I, and I, you know, I, I worked in skiffs and I, you know, I had a TS NATO clearance. So I got to see a lot of stuff and a lot of cool stuff and a lot of stuff that people still don't know exists. I've always thought with area 51 and, and I could be dead wrong. And you certainly know more than I do. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that area 51 by keeping it blocked off and keeping it as nobody can see it is just one of the more magnificent military spoofs 
that there's probably not a whole lot going on there, but they let them they let the public and the media think that there's a lot going on there while they're doing stuff somewhere else. And I say that from actually seeing it more I, I saw it more in the missile missile thing, but that's what we did with the missiles was there were areas I was in station in Korea and there were there were places that people knew about. And that generally was was the places that people knew about were the places that if they got bombed, it didn't hurt us at all. Mm-hmm. But there was plenty of other places around that nobody ever spoke about where all the good stuff was at. Mm-hmm. Do you think that especially given the phenomenon and the interest of an area 51 and the, you know, the rise of Art Bell and Art Bell's pushed to everything to media mm-hmm. 51 or area 51, that that could be just kind of a diversionary point for where we truly study UFOs and alien extraterrestrials and and that type of thing? Well, I think originally it was exactly for that. Okay. Study this stuff. Because uh, Roswell went to uh, uh, Wright-Patterson, it was called Wright Base at the time. And the reason why the debris from Roswell went there is because that was the only base that had the foreign technology department during World War II. So that made sense to take unknown debris and stuff there to the foreign technology department. That's where you have what hangar 18 whatever. Sure. Uh, but um, it seems like just after that, Area 51 started develop in uh, being developed in the early 50s, 51 or so. And and Area 51 is just a quadrant, 51 quadrant over by Nellis Air Force, like that. But they just call it Area 51 or Groom Ridge or whatever. Sure. Um, so the idea was was to was to build that, and then there's underground facilities there to to transfer the the wreckage over there and anything else that they have at Area 51, and that's where you know, um, oh geez, I just gosh, I see his face, I just drew a, a, a blank. Well, you know, of course, where uh, the physicist, you know, ended up working at S4 over there. Sure, and. And he came out public later on. So, um, yes, I think at one point there was and there might still be some stuff going on. I interviewed a a commercial airline pilot for a TV show that I did. Actually, I had a one-hour episode. It was called Unexplained Files. It was season two. That was the Paranormal Highway of America. That's what sparked the book, The 37th Parallel. Uh, I interviewed... Uh, commercial pilot who was coming from California, flying near Vegas outside of Nellis, and then they asked him to divert. And as they were diverting away from their normal flight path, he was a co-pilot at the time, he saw a bunch of balls of light come down, stop, and shoot down to a holographic runway on Area 51. So, um, yeah, I think they're still messing around with stuff there. Okay. Try to stop this thing from happening. You know, keep beeping, but (laughs) I apologize for that. We're getting a lot of people asking the same kind of question. What is your opinion of Bob Lazar? I'm sorry, that was Bob Lazar. That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) That's what they were saying. (laughs) I can see his his dark hair, his glasses, and I was just drawing a a blank Bob Lazar. He's a conspiracy theorist kind of guy, correct? Well, yeah, I think he's on to something. You know, because I was good friends with, uh, uh, with, with Staten Friedman. 
And we went back and forth over Bob Lazar because I believed him and Stanton Freeman didn't leave because I'm a nuclear physicist and he's not, you know, and I, I love Stanton Freeman, I, you know, but I would love to debate him back and forth. And we went back and forth for a while because Bob Lazar could never prove that he was at Area 51 or S4, but, or some of the other places that he said he worked at. Well, basically what he did was, was he worked for these government facilities just via through payroll. And then after that, you know, um, he was at Area 51, but the payroll went for, through these other companies. That's how they kind of, you know, hide the tracks. And some of the companies he talked about, um, you know, you could never find his name except for one time. And finally, Staten Freeman saw it. There was, there was one phone book that came out every quarter. Rockwell had them too. And our names would pop up, you know, and every quarter when you get new employees, employees leave, you update it. Bob Lazar was in that phone book for one time. And Staten Freeman goes, oh, okay, we got to put this in my gray basket now. Sure. And I always thought that was funny because he called it a gray basket, you know, for aliens that are grays. Right. But, sure. Uh, so uh, I personally think from what Bob Lazar said about the sport model, about the, the, you know, the amplifier pods, the gravity A and gravity B waves, the element, uh, gosh, I can't remember, is it 117, 160 something? Something that he talked about that didn't exist. And then, you know, a decade or so later, the U.S. combined with Russia says, hey, guess what we experienced, you know, what we found in the same element years ago that Bob Lazar already talked about, they discovered it. You know, so it's, uh, or is it element 115? I forget. I'm going to have to remember because I'm lecturing in Roswell this year. So I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Chuck, what do you Chuck, Chuck, what do you think about um, the rise recently in the last five five years, I would say, of what they're calling alternative media or new media, the the bit shoots of the world that, you know, the, I don't, I don't want to say like YouTube necessarily, but the offshoots of YouTube where anybody that has a camera can make a, any kind of documentary that says any kind of a thing where, and, and now if you go out there and you look, you know, where before to, in the, in the old days, five years plus ago, I guess if you want to call that the old days, you had to have a little bit of money behind you, whether it was a TV show or a TV organization or whatever, to do shows like you did with Alien Highway. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody with a with a webcam and uh, you know and that can speak fairly well can put out a video that says, you know, I saw Joe Biden unzipping his skin suit and he's really a a gray underneath. And there's a portrayal of people. There's a collection of people that will believe that. Does that hurt the cause of proving ufos and extraterrestrials because anybody now can have an opinion it makes it just that much harder to weed out what is real versus what is not well it's it's not really an opinion i'll explain why in a second okay it's it's making money that's that's the bottom line so you have every jackhole right (laughs) out there that wants to make money and they're making money every time you go to a YouTube channel and the, and the person, you know, you're watching them and they're saying something. They say, don't forget to hit the bell and hit the like and everything. Because the more clicks they get, the more money they make, the more people that watch it. Sure. And, and every time, you know, uh, you go to these YouTube sites and they're running commercials, they're making money off of you while you're watching, trying to get the information. So from, from the UFO standpoint, there's been 
just amount of trash out there of people making stuff up, making, you know, uh, uh, faking UFO sightings. Because all they want is numbers. And they suck you right in. They suck the viewers right in. They, you know, so what you got to do is when you see something like that, you've got to say, okay, where is this person coming from? You know, is this person an investigator? Has he been doing this for years? You know, um, has he, uh, does he have some type of experience, you know, some credibility, or is he just some Yahoo that hope and, you know, hold a camera? Now, the other thing too is, is I laugh at these most of the time because. I've been doing this over 30 years. You don't see a – the chance of you seeing a UFO and filming it and something phenomenal happening, like it disappearing or shooting off or or whatever, attacking each other, is, you know, millions and millions and millions to one. Okay, really, right. really hard. So anytime you see any video out there where that person just happens to catch something phenomenal, you know, and, and it's running a commercial while you're watching it, just click that sucker off. That guy is just <laughs> going to dupe you. He's making money off you. Right. That's the problem with a lot of these videos. I released a video last night on my website of something that I shot last week while I was uh, on a cruise in the Mediterranean. What I do is, this is a cruise my wife and I had worked on for about a year and a half, so we finally get out there. And I always make sure, and I don't do a lot of cruises, but when I do, um, I make sure I have a balcony because late at night I'll get out there with my night vision camera and I'll shoot randomly 30 second segments um, over a period of three, four days. I might shoot 90 to 130 second segments. So I, I was shooting a few segments and going through them all. And I found one segment of this light going, just, just barreling past. Wham. And I went, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I got shooting stars and I got satellites, you know, so I, I can compare all that because a satellite is a really faint light that this, this stays, you know. And then you have the airplanes that have the strobes. Mm-hmm. You know, not the rough distance, your night vision camera. The one that I use, um, this little guy right here, that's a $1,000 camera right there. It's a Psyonix Pro 4. Okay. And it's, it's, it originally was designed for a rifle scope, but it's, it's really, really good for uh, – for night vision. Um, and then, and then, you know, like you're shooting stars and stuff, but this thing was just a streak right now. You can, you can see it on my website. I just posted it on my website. Matter of fact, I think I sent you a link. I, you do. I actually have it. I can, I can play it. Um, I don't think we can talk during it, but I'll play it real quick. So people can see what you're talking about. It's only a minute long. Uh, so do you mind if I play it? Well, yeah, go right ahead. All right. Hang on. Here we go. So if, if you go to the website and you click it and watch it, um, you'll get a little bit better clarity than what you just saw on here. Right. So it'll come out a little bit better. 
But if you look, you could see he had just shooting straight across. It was coming in out of frame and going out out of frame, and it was moving extremely fast. Um, UFONut.com, correct? Yeah, UFONut.com. And, you know, it, it, like I said, you know, after maybe 50 or 60 of these 30-second things that I've, I've shot over a period of five, six days, you know, um, you, you'll catch one anomaly. So when you see something like that, that's what we generally catch. Now, when you when you watch these YouTube videos and you'll see a light coming in, it'll stop. And then it'll do this. Then it'll go down. <laughs> right. You know, and it'll make a pretty face. And then and then it'll take off. You know, you got to question those because now there are some cases where people will film stuff that's circling, you know. But, you know, for the odds of you actually taking a camera and looking up and then catching something phenomenal, in this case, you know, it was 80 or 90 times of me going out in the middle of the night shooting 30 second segments to be able to catch just that. Right. Now we have a, now we're here in Cleveland, Ohio. So Lake Erie is right here. And we, I know that I have a good friend, Jim, who actually shot a video with his cell phone. And I believe that I, I saw the same kind of thing. And somebody else just uh, texted into the show uh, about people seeing uh, UFOs off of Lake Erie. Now they look like orange balls there was one, and it kind of came down towards the horizon, and then there was another one that kind of came down to the horizon, and they didn't move very much at all. They were just kind of sitting there, and then there was, I think, a third one that came down, and obviously they weren't airplanes because they were not the color of anything like that. They weren't. It didn't look like anything I had ever seen before, and he had video of it, and I thought it was super cool. And I mean, is there? Can you just see stuff like that every now and then? Is that an anomaly? Is that something that sounds familiar? Do you see orange? Oh, sure, balls? sure. Now, um, a lot of time people refer to those, you know, as orbs or something they'll see close to the ground too. But uh, those are called balls of light. And back in the day during World War II, our pilots and even the Japanese pilots saw them, you know, while they're, you know, out on patrol or whatever. They, they call them Foo Fighters. The band, the Foo Fighters, they probably got that name from the Foo Fighters back in, in the, you know, during World War II. It was a ball of light that our pilots and bombers were seeing, and sometimes they would actually track the airplane and follow the airplanes. Now, there are reports of, of our pilots, and there are reports of the Japanese pilots seeing these things. The Japanese thought it was some type of secret weapon that we had. We thought it was some type of secret weapon the Japanese had, or maybe the Germans had. But these things... You know, the art pods were seeing. They call them Foo Fighters because back in the day there was a comic book. I forget the name of the, the character of the comic book, but he would say, Where there's food, there's fire. So uh, that's where the, the, the word came up Foo Fighters. So we're still seeing those today. I actually filmed a couple of them on location shooting Alien Highway because we were in an active area. It was, and these balls of light are seeing, sometimes they're seeing um, a week or two before animal mutilations occur out in the rural area, sometimes they're seen, you know, in a not-so-rural area. You know, I've actually uh, I've seen a video of, of one going by a dash cam, or I'm sorry, a, a, a camera, security camera, uh, you know, outside someone's house or something flying by. So, you know, they, out, they are out there scooting around, and we've known about them since, like I said, since the mid-40s. These balls of light, are probably what you guys noticed over there. They're, now, the difference between a ball of light and an orb, an orb is more spiritual. So when 
So when ghost investigators, and I've done some ghost investigations just to be able to compare the two, it's more spiritual because it's a more electromagnetic field, condensed ball of, of, of light orb, and you can right. kind of see through. The actual ball of light you can't see through. They're solid. And enough. I've been doing enough research on these things that it appears it's, it's like a probe, you know, like the type of probes that we send out. Now, I'm going to throw one at you now that you're going to make you go, huh? <laughs> difference between this is going to freak out a lot of people when you you know about these ufo sightings the real ufo sightings where you see the light and it's near the ground it does not reflect light hmm. okay so if, if you're watching these videos out there and some guy sees a ufo going by and there's a shadow or something or not you know or or light you know that doesn't happen the, the real phenomenon, the real guys, the light that we see, we perceive with our eyes is not white light. It's in a different spec. It's a different spectrum, but we perceive it as white light, but it doesn't cast a shadow. I've got a great picture of, of these two kids. I can't show you because they're underage, but it's an investigation I was working on a few years ago and I had to stop it because the mother cut me off. <laughs> it wouldn't, right. you know, she didn't, because of the giggle factor, she didn't want the media to exploit her kids. Sure. So I had to stop. But but I still use it as an example. There was a ball of a ball of light outside in a field outside their house. They both both kids saw it. They grabbed a camera. Well, they grabbed their cell phone camera. They went out there. One actually walked up to it and he's just kind of looking at it. It's right in front of him. The other one took a picture of him. The ball of light was so bright, it's just white, 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 but it did light up, didn't reflect light on the torso wow. wall. So there's no reflection at all. Now, with uh, Unexplained File Season 2, when I had my own episode, The 37th Parallel, I went to Highland, Illinois, where there was a big UFO sighting down there. It was a triangular craft that, you know, four different police districts were tracking it. And I interviewed one of the cops who saw it hovering over like a little mini mall, right? You know, 7-Eleven and a couple of other yeah. stores. And he said that sucker was bright. He was staring right at the big lights. It was triangular, big lights on the back. I go, so you were standing and you were staring right at the lights, right in into the lights of, of, of the exhaust or whatever. He goes, yeah. And I said, and you didn't squint? You could see her? He goes, well, it was pretty bright. And I went, but you didn't squint your eyes? He goes, no. And I said, well, it was so bright that it cast a shadow on the trees or anything. Could you, could you see a glare? He goes, well, you know, I kind of don't remember that because I was so encompassed with, you know, staring at it. They go, well, how about your patrol car? How about all those those reflective decals on your patrol car? They must have lit up like a Christmas tree. And that's when it hit him. Because he always thought the possibility of it being terrestrial was the case. But his patrol car was dark. Wow. And, and none of the 911 or none of the decals that we always see lit up. And back then, you know, few years ago there was decals everywhere on the you know patrol cars nothing lit up and it scared him he's a, he's a detective now and i didn't mean to scare him but you know he go then all of a sudden the whole train of thought of of it being terrestrial turned into something else at that complete moment when he realized that it didn't reflect light it didn't light up the decals what the heck was he staring at and that's the case so somebody wants to know, do you think UFOs use water sources like Lake Erie or oceans? As oh, I love that guy. Who is that person? I love him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my theory. And I've been, and it's been on my website for a few years now. 
It's hydrogen, because every one of the uh, every one of the animal mutilation cases that I've worked on, there's a water source nearby. Even now, there's water sources that were nearby the one in Texas. There was water sources nearby the one in in Oregon and out here in Colorado. And um, matter of fact, I got a call from uh, or text from a rancher about a week or so ago that a ball of light shot right in front of his truck when he was driving in, and the Purgatory River is nearby and there was balls of light around there. So the theory is it's hydrogen because if you really think about it, it's hydrogen and oxygen, right? H2O yeah. that makes up H2O that makes up water. Now we don't have a lot of hydrogen in our atmosphere. Very little. It's oxygen, nitrogen, mm -hmm. very, very little hydrogen. All the hydrogen in the planet is in our water system. It's also in our petroleum based products, crude oil, is, is very, very high, uh, rich in hydrogen. You can extract hydrogen off of that. So here's the theory is you're using hydrogen for either some type of a fuel source or to sustain uh, environmental life on their, you know, on their craft or whatever. But here's something that I just kind of threw in within the last month that, you know, the more I researched this, you know how Commander Fravor and some of the other fighter pilots, they see the Tic Tacs, they see them, Zip by, and if you read the reports, they say there's there's no signs of of any type of rudder type of movement on these things like you'd see on airplanes, right? It's just kind of a round thing. Right. So there's nothing that shows that, like in a submarine or anything, that shows how it could turn. Not only that, but there's actually no sign of an exhaust, so they don't know how it's propelled. Now, here's my latest theory on that: if it is hydrogen. Our sun uses hydrogen in, um, and then uh, by, by using fusion, right, mm -hmm. it converts hydrogen into our sunlight. And, and so it, it takes hydrogen on the outside of the sun and go to the core of the sun with fusion, you, you, get, you get our light. Now, the light that's hitting the planet from fusion is ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B light. We can't see that. Mm visible to us, ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B. Ultraviolet light is what burns our skin, right? Right. Why we okay. have UV protectors. We can't see that. Our fighter pilots don't have the sensors to pick up ultraviolet light because if they did, all they see is light, what we see, and it would just white out the sensors. They do use an ultraviolet light along with infrared light combined to track missiles and, and other aircraft because of infrared and then the infrared masks some of the ultraviolet light so you can see a shadow effect. So that's a technology. That's the only way they can use um, you know, ultraviolet light. So if they are using hydrogen, their exhaust could be ultraviolet light, which we can't see. Therefore, we think there's no exhaust. We just can't see it. Could, could the other part of using the ocean be a little more simpler just be the fact that there are places out there in the ocean that are so deep that we can't get to it or we don't see it where it'd just well, be absolutely. a good place to hide. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a prime, that's a, that's a prime fact by using oceans because the 70% of this planet is covered with oceans. Not only that, but recently within the past year, scientists have found out there's more water under the earth than there is above the earth. Oh. So we have more water underneath us vast oceans of water underneath us that's greater than the amount of oceans that we see with our own eyes. Wow. So so now you have a two-fold system. 
there's a lot of UFOs that go in and out of lakes and, and streams and stuff. So in my opinion, especially even water troughs, balls of light are seen around water troughs where cattle, you know, were mutilated. So that tells me, well, you can't go into a water trough and hide, you know, right. you know, because there's no base in there. So they're they're obviously they're consuming the hydrogen using because they can take oxygen right out of the air. The hydrogen is a little harder to get. Now the bases, underwater bases, sure. You know, one of the episodes for Alien Highway, we looked at the possibility of a base outside of Malibu, where there's, you know, you can actually see some type of a structure. We do know there's been some rumors that that under the continental shelf submarines have been able to go under under the u.s quite quite far so you know because it is kind of we, we joke about sometimes if i lived in california about california breaking into the ocean falling sure. into the ocean. that's because it's a continental shelf and a, and a big enough earthquake would just break the shelf and that's all it was just it just fall down into the water and the water would come in so Yes, there's probably bases under, especially Gulf of New Mexico, supposedly is a good size one out there. The area, or, uh, Devil's Triangle right. was always thought that there'd be another one over there. But we have a lot of UFOs that bug out underground here. Dulce, New Mexico, big time, right? Now, when you go into under underground caverns, like also in Missouri where the droplet spook lights are and stuff, you can get to water sources down there pretty darn quick too. Now that we know there's more water underground than there is above the ground, that makes more sense that it might be hydrogen. You know, the hydrogen theory makes a little bit more sense now. I feel bad because I know we're keeping a long time here, but I still have some questions. If you don't well, mind, go right ahead. I'm I'm pretty much done with work today. Um, <laughs> so I get a lot of crap because I talk about how the Aztecs had drawings of what look like spacemen inside of capsules. And I talk about the pyramids being too sophisticated for men back then to create. Is there any possible truth to the rumors of, you know, what alien life form coming down back then, creating the pyramids, doing that kind of thing? Well, um, I think it's all been through history. I got, I really got the opportunity years back to, to meet Zachariah Stitchin. And I don't know if you're familiar with Zachary Stitchin, mm -hmm. but he wrote a few books. One of them was called The Twelfth Planet. He was um, he would decipher ancient Sumerian text, and I, it was really really cool. Some of the stuff he was saying. Of course, you know the science scientific field you know, was saying, well, his it's misinterpreting what what you know what the scrolls are saying. And he says, well, I found them in a library. When the library for the Sumerians was basically city hall. So this was documents coming out of City Hall, and this is what they were saying. Some of the scientists, some of the other debunkers were saying, well, these were just stories. And, and then he's going, okay, so you got ancient Sumerian stories about flying saucers, you know, and aliens coming down. How would you have a story unless you actually, you know, saw it firsthand? Right. But the ancient Sumerians were basically saying that, you know, that this the, that these this other alien life form came from the 12th planet or whatever. And we still talk about it today. NASA still talks about planet X. Yeah. We have a planet X out there somewhere. And how do we know we have planet X? Because of the way that, that our sun is doing the hula, you know, because that's how they find exoplanets you know, or suns that have exoplanets is they look for little stars out there that are doing the hula because the planets that are circling the sun are, are causing the sun to do this due to the gravitational pull of the planets. That's how they kind of kind of look for other planets. So we're kind of doing that too. 
But there's a planet out there, planet X, supposedly, that's pulling on our sun, too, and pulling on a gravitational field. We just can't find it yet. But they're theorizing it's there. Well, the ancient Sumerian says this thing comes flying by every 27,000 years or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and, and these, you know, life form came down from the planet. And we were still in the, in, in the Neanderthal type of stage of our, you know, evolution. And what he was saying, based on ancient Sumerian text, the little scrolls that kind of look like toilet paper rolls, yeah. These guys were phenomenal. They had these little toilet paper rolls, and then and then they would write like backwards, scratch out backwards, and then they would ink them and roll them on rice paper. They had a printing press. Oh, wow. Way, way the heck back then. And the ancient Sumerians would be the ancient Egyptians' ancestors. Sure. So, so now these guys, you know, he's reading this stuff. Anyway, he talks about these items coming down, and then they have these you know, bipedal guys walking around, but they came down to the planet to capture a uh, uh, material, an element that we had on our planet to save our own planet, which is kind of interesting because we're kind of seeing that now. And it was gold. So what they did was is, is they decided to modify the genes of the Neanderthal into a human. You know, okay, that's not me saying this. This is what, you know, this is what he was getting, Zachary Station was getting. And so they created these, these human type of guys that were mining the gold for them. And over a period of a few hundred years, they had what they had wanted. Some of them decided to go back to their planet. The other ones decided to stay here and live with the humans because they interacted with the humans and started breeding with them, a.k.a. the ancient Egyptian petroglyphs of the elongated head. Yeah. The seven-foot-tall guys with the elongated head, that's supposed to be these guys. Okay, that's where that comes from. And why people were wrapping their heads. Well, if they were wrapping their heads to mimic someone, who were they mimicking? They were mimicking a god? Were they, or they were mimicking what they thought was a god, which was an extraterrestrial? These are just thoughts you just got to think sure. about. Right. You know, one guy just doesn't wake up one day and decide he's going to wrap his head, you know, his baby's head, and then make it elongated for whatever right. reason, you know? Right. You're going to use it for a pool <laughs> or something, right? Right. So... <laughs> So there must have been a reason for that. Sure. And anyway, you've seen you've seen the, the Egyptian petroglyphs of a male and female with elongated heads holding a little human baby. That's what points back to the ancient Sumerians based on what Zachary Stitchin was saying. Right. Now it's kind of interesting about gold though. Okay, because as a microchip designer, uh, gold is used in microchip design because it conducts electricity. Matter of fact, there was a, a system called HARP years ago. I don't know if they're still using it, but that was a way of trying to fix our ozone layer was to see, a.k.a. remember, you know, the whole chemtrails? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chemtrails, that was seeding the atmosphere with gold and a couple of other types of minerals. And then HARP was this um, these dishes that shot um, high-frequency radiation, basically high EMF you know, uh, radiation and excited, you know, the metals storms and that storms were conducive in our atmosphere to help, you know, uh, fix the ozone. I originally thought we were doing, they were doing that to, to change weather patterns. So that could either be, that could be either or because he who can control the weather can control a war, a battle. Right. So um, originally we thought, Possibly that's what they were doing with the chemtrail 
was experimenting a way of controlling the weather. Then it came down the, ro the road a little bit further down the road that maybe they were trying to, to repair the ozone layer. So, you know, it's a 50-50 how you want to look sure. at it. Either way, gold was the key element. So what are the odds that the ancient Sumerians talked about these, these aliens coming down in what we now know as Africa, where the Eve gene has said to come from? That we all, you know, in our DNA, we have the Eve gene. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it all came from Africa. <laughs> and Africa is a great place for to mine gold because a lot of gold mining. And it's just, it's kind of interesting how you think about what Zachary Stitchin was saying in his books. You're going, God, there's a lot of sure. similarity and commonalities to this. I at least have to keep an open mind on it. You know, sure. we haven't found the missing link yet to us. I'm not right. saying we're all aliens. You know, but well, I'm saying that uh, there could be a sure. Well, you got to just be an open mind about it, right? Yeah, we do. All of us have an extrasensory perception. We have ESP. All of us do. We mm -hmm. just some of us can turn on. Some of us can't. Your your viewers are after going. Nah, no, we don't. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples. First off, women's intuition, right off, right. If your wife, your mom, or whoever, or your mate, or whoever, you know, says. We better get out of here now. Or let's not walk down this alley. Let's go this way. Let's not make a left turn. Let's make a right turn. That's because the woman's intuition is picking up on something, some negative, something negative, uh, some type of a negative force or something. They're able to pick up on it. Don't go there. Okay. Now you're sitting in your car or your truck or whatever you're driving or your motorcycle and got this feeling you're being stared at. Happened yeah. all. You can't see it out of, out of the peripheral vision of your eyes. But when you turn way over past your peripheral, whatever, peripheral, peripheral, thank you. Uh, I'm getting dry better. Start drinking some more water. <laughs> the person staring at you. How yeah. did we know we were being stared at? It happens to people in restaurants too. How do we know? We have that capability of knowing. That's why Bigfoot isn't can't be caught because Bigfoot has got that capability amplified. We've, we're losing it because of technology. Bigfoot hasn't lost it because they're they're not technology bound like we are. Right. But they can actually sense when someone's walking up. Right on. So, so um, Chuck, with with all of the study of all of this that you've done, and you certainly know it way better than we do, what do you think we are? Do you think that we are a well? Let me put it another way. Do you think that the aliens are studying us? Or do you think flip it the other way and think that more we as a Earth as a organization is almost like an ant colony <laughs> that they more or less are checking in on that they've that they helped create and now they check in to make sure that it's not doing too much damage to itself. You know, um, you gotta have you kind of kind of have to leave all the possibilities open. I can I can't say one way or another. Um, I think aliens are here to study us. Sure. You know, um, and and no, it'd be no different than us sending probes off to other planets, studying other planets. We think we might find my, my microbiological, whatever, life in, in Venus and gases in Venus, the atmosphere and stuff. And anyway, um, so we're looking into that. But um, I still have dry mouth. I apologize for that. <laughs> talking too much um 
So I think I think in a, in, a, in a sense, I mean, years ago there was this thought that there was a treaty between aliens and our government, that there would be a transfer of technologies, so the aliens would be allowed to abduct, you know, uh, American citizens. I mean, that's just one of the theories out there. But if they're just studying us, and they've been doing it for years, then it just is just there. Now we're a very very unique planet. We've got tons of water. We have an atmosphere. You know that sustains life. We have a very exciting life here on this planet. Very warlike. We're fighting with each other all the time. We're creating technology. We're doing interesting things. We'd be a great race to study, of course. So maybe from that standpoint, maybe it's our resources. Maybe it is our water. But and and if and if they are here, obviously they're not here to conquer us because we're still here. Right now, if you want to believe the ancient Sumerians and seem to think that maybe we evolved somewhat, you know, uh, from that alien technology, then that could be a possibility too, where they're just kind of watching to see what we're going to do next. You do know? you now we got to wrap it up, but I real quick, do you do you think there's going to come a time? I know we've had a bunch of people asking the same question, do you think there's going to come a time where they're going to just come down, say hello, and hang out? <laughs> we're going to, you know, actually. You know, see them, and and they're gonna make themselves known to everybody. We're gonna have some sort of society together. I mean, what what's the future? What's their end game? I guess. War of the worlds. <laughs> well, I mean, could could that be it? I I don't know what the you know what we're looking at towards the, in in the future with you know. Well, I can tell you from the past that they had the technology to destroy us. They had the technology to turn off our nuclear weapons. And, and matter of fact, that was being discussed in the Pentagon not too long ago uh, with some of the military people who were at the military bases here in the U.S. that a UFO hovered over and shut down the nuclear missiles. So they had the technology to, uh, to, to mess with our technology because they're so far more advanced. So they're good. They're, let's just say they're really good hackers. You know? <laughs> they can hack anything and, and manipulate it. If they really wanted to, you know, they could drop an airplane you know, flying over in a second, just shut everything down and, and just, you know, drop everything if they really wanted to. And they don't want to, for whatever reason, you know, they're studying us. Now, they may also know that we're still quite in our infant stage as a species, and we're very aggressive. You know, people take shots at UFOs all the time, you know, physically take shots sure. and stuff. And I do know from talking with Travis Walton, who was an abductee, that um, when when his here's a six foot four guy, that when he woke up in the craft that he was in, um, and he was towering over these little grays, and he kind of lunged them, they kind of scattered. So there is a, a, it appears that they are afraid of us somewhat. They are, from what I understand, talking to the guys from Roswell, that they are kind of fragile, being at least the grays are. So it would be able, really easy to overpower these guys, too. What they got on them is technology, which we don't have. So there could be a fear factor, or it could be just the fact that they're going to watch us and see what we're going to do next. If we get to the point where we might destroy the planet or get on the brinks of destroying the planet, I would hope that they would step up. That if, in fact, if this is their planet and they've been watching us through millennial, right, and see what's going to happen, that hopefully they would step up and say, okay, hey, look, you know, we're going to uh, end game, right? Uh, the, the, the way the world, but it's it's to protect their world, not us, but it's to protect their world from us. 
the way that this country and this, the way this country and the way that this world is going, I'd be afraid to come down here to look at Chicago. Well, yeah. I'm not going there. <laughs> I think my only fear is 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 you know to protect us from ourselves, or or, or to protect the earth from ourselves. Sure. And, and the, the other thing that's open. the other thing that's not being talked about here either is the the what is the measurement of time? What we measure. As you know, decades of time, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years, that might seem like two hours to to this life form. You know, they may live that long and it may not, it may. So our skirmishes just seem like that. They seem like a bar fight that's over in three seconds. It could be. It absolutely could be, you know, because we have no idea that their lifespan could be a lot longer. I always use that example with, you know, with, with religion. God created, you know, six days and on the seventh day. And a lot of uh, biblical people take that so literally, meaning it's 24 hours. Right. But but really, what's an hour to a God compared to an hour of a human? Exactly. An hour to a God could be billions of years. Mm-hmm. And, and who who are we to, you know, to second guess what a God thinks like? You know, to think like a God, you would have to be a God. And it's the same thing with aliens. To think what an alien is going to do is you got to be an alien. It's not until we actually talk to them. Now, there are some cases within our Native Americans that have communicated with what they call star travelers. And they believe, at least a couple of the different tribes that I talk to believe that there's, you know, like four different entities on this planet. You know, you have the tall guys, which which we, you know, you can call them the Nephilim or the tall blondes or whatever you want to call them. There's a bunch of different names for them. Uh, they're, they're kind of like in control of, of other aliens that are visiting this planet. Then you have the reptilians, which they called, I think, the snake people. Right. And the reptilians are the ones that are kind of ordering the grays around. The grays they call the ant people, not because of their eyes, but because they come out of the ground, underground bases. And then and then they have the blues, which is cool. The blues are leprechauns, tommyknockers, menahunis. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that protect our planet. So it's awesome. in their culture. Right. I, well, yeah. I, I could talk to you literally for another hour, but I, we're going to have to let you go, unfortunately. But oh, thank you for coming up. Where can people find all your stuff? I mean, ufonut.com. Mm-hmm. Where else can people see everything that, that you, you have? Yeah, ufonut.com. I mean, I've got over 55, 56 blogs just on animal mutilations, but I have a section at the top of the, uh, of the website that it'll point to if you're interested in animal mutilations. If you just want to scroll through the blogs, you'll, you'll, you'll see my theories on hydrogen, ammonia, uh, a bunch of other different things, and then Bigfoot, Menahuni, leprechauns. I love it. I just love it all because it's, you know, there's so much out there that it was really hard just to be focused on one particular topic because a lot of it interchanged. There's a lot of big, there's a lot of UFOs associated with Bigfoot sightings. You know, there's a lot of UFOs associated with ghost investigations. I can't thank you for coming on again. YouTube also, you got a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Just find, check all these different places. Uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And thank you. Just go to my website. You'll see at the very top. You can email me. That's my direct email. If you have any questions, just, you know, and I'll get back to it maybe a day or so before I get back to you. Cause I get a lot of emails. But I make sure I, I answer every one of my emails. Well, right. hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Thank you so okay. much, Chuck. All right. I'll be here. Right. Thank right, you, Chuck. sir. Bye-bye. Right, thank you. Bye.
Now that was cool to me, man. I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I could talk to him for days. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, we just didn't even touch the surface of leprechauns all of a sudden. Yeah. But it's just unfortunate we haven't even played a commercial the entire show. Dude, we didn't even talk about crop circles. I, there's so that much. That was like yeah. the reason that we were having him on. I don't there's, think we asked one question. There's so much I wanted to get into, and I, I just thank him for. Right, well, he's still sitting here. Hang on. Let me see. All right. <laughs> All right, Chuck, I'm sorry. I got to bring it back on real quick. We didn't even touch on crop circles because I was really interested in that, too. Can you explain that real quick? Well, with crop circles, it was interesting. I did an investigation called the Roswell Rock Circle. You can look that up. And it was a guy that, that found this rock, and it had um, a crop circle from the Lyddeton 19... I forgot what year it was. 96 or 97, Lyddeton Crop Circle. And that was coming out of a rock three-dimensional coming out of a rock and he found out in the middle of a field and what's cool about that rock. It was polarized. One side was more positive than the other. You take a magnet and you spin the rock. It was way cool. Only one of its kind. And then we tried a year to debunk it and now you can buy them. But you know, the year we tried to debunk it, but I actually talked to the crop circle enthusiasts. Uh, they have a lecturing in Denver that went into that particular crop circle at the time. And they said out of all the crop circles they've ever been in, that was the only one where there was so much energy that they actually turned on each other and they were agitated with each other and they were fighting and it wasn't, and they realized what was going on. They left the crop circle about a half hour later, they were fine again. So it affected them physically. And that's the only one out of all the 90 some crop circles they've been into. Now, some of the crop circles man-made Doug and Bob or whoever those guys were, were make, but you couldn't do that. You know, they were taking a rope and two by fours and just pushing down. A real crop circle, the crops, they right where they bend, it's a little round. It's 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 kind of like a, a nodule, right? And and if you leave them alone, it'll keep growing. So who's ever doing it when they bend, they're not actually destroying the crop. They're 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 doing whatever design they want to do and then um, the crop survives and keeps growing, so they're not destroying. But you know, the ones that are mashed and broken, you know, that's humans doing that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, again, I'm sorry that I brought you back on. So I didn't want me to waste your time or anything, but I just yeah, had to okay. ask that question. We're gonna have to have you back on again at some point. UFONut.com. Chuck, yeah. I really appreciate it again. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and and we think it was some type of form of of an alphabet. We were looking at alphabets, and we've had crop circles out here in the U.S. Not a lot of them are, are, are talked about, yeah. you know, because people don't want you know other people tromping down their fields and stuff, right? Like you know in the UK. But you know, at one point we thought as a crops, there was an alphabet, or, or, or them trying to teach us, or maybe they were communicating. You know, it's it's hard to say, but you know, at least we were able to determine what was real and what what wasn't. Like I said, with the real ones, you would pick up an EMF. So, um, and that's the case with a lot of the UFOs. If something actually landed you will pick up residual electromagnetic fields from whatever landed there. And you can guarantee, yes, something landed here. So okay. grab yourself an EMF meter. <laughs> you are certainly not alone, and I believe that. And I even more believe it now. So thank you again. Oh, well, thank you very much. You. And like I said, you guys have any questions, just email me, okay? Will do. Thank right. you, Sounds sir. good, Chuck. Uh, UFONut.com. I'm sorry, Chris. I had to bring back. No, I just asked about that. Uh, but I got to get back on eventually to ask some more. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. We'll talk about the big announcement we made earlier, and then we'll wrap the show up. All right. Sounds good. All right. Hang on.
What separates Triv's restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single item on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious and it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, and intimate occasions. You can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own dedicated intimate space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations, 440-238-8830. Triv's in Strongsville. Joe Burdick custom flags are amazing. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection, making each piece of patriotic wall art unique. This is a local small business, veteran owned and proud. Joe Burdick creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your spirit, pride, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065. Joe Burdick Flags. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. The check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, and the light is still on. 216-470-0170. That's Charlie's Auto Repair, 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all, from small engine repair to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. 216 216- 470-0170. Charlie's Auto Repair. Let Charlie make your car great once again. And welcome back. Um, um, I'd like to welcome up some new people actually listening to the show tonight. So that's Looking good. Ahead. Appreciate that. Hello, uh, people. Things are changing. So yes. um, that's what's uh, going on. <laughs> uh, we talked about it uh, earlier today. Another big thing that's happening. Um, we are going to be helping out the men and women in blue once again. That's right. I uh, talked to Billy Morris, and um, we uh, this morning I talked to Joe Burdick, the guy who just heard his commercial, makes the beautiful American flags. Uh, I think we'll have Joe on next Monday. Talk uh, to him about everything that's going on. But June twenty first. Mm-hmm. will be the first police event that we do for the 3rd District uh, Cleveland Police um, Smoke and Rock and Roll Billy Morris's food truck going to be feeding our fine men and women in blue That's Joe great. will have a flag to present you are welcome to join us everybody you can come out June 21st uh, I believe that's a Wednesday okay We'll have times and everything set up, but um, hopefully it's uh, the first of many, but we'll see. Uh, we got to get the ball rolling, and we'll go from there. But I'm excited about it. I'm excited about um, taking care of our police. Absolutely. 
As we said earlier, I think it's a very important thing that we do. And uh, you know, somebody asked me earlier, well, are you getting paid for it? Well, no. Why would I get paid for doing something charitable? I mean, this is to to say thank you. Yeah. You know, I one thing that I've started doing in my life, and I'm it's not I'm not proud of it. I'm just but I, I feel the need to do it mm-hmm. is when I see an officer or the other night I was picking up uh, some food somewhere and I saw a gentleman who had a an older gentleman. He had a POW MIA hat on. Sure. Um, and I I feel the need to say thank you. Sure. I feel to see as to you, Chris, a military man. And I thank you for your service as sure. well. Yeah, it's always appreciated. I could tell you as somebody that, you know, as a vet, it's it's definitely always appreciated. And it's, you know, I mean, we've all seen Rambo. We've all seen what happens when you don't appreciate them. They all go crazy. And, you know, <laughs> you know we're all we're all trained to be crazy. So it's 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 good to just it, yeah. it's it's well received. I'll put it that way. It's definitely it definitely reminds you that maybe your service wasn't in vain, you know, when, when sometimes, sometimes you do like, like everybody does in their life, they look back and they're like, Oh, why did I give five years to that? Or, you know, why did I do that for so many years? And like, for me, I did five years in the military and it's nice to know that people actually appreciate the fact that I did it, you know, and that they didn't have to or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I've been pulled over. I, <laughs> <laughs> And it always sucks, and then I hate it, and I'm mad. And what the hell did that? Doesn't that cop have anything better to do than pull me over? Uh, right. But uh, there is a reason behind it. There's a reason why they do what they do. And I, I found it, and I find the need now to say thank you to our men and women who serve, our men and whether it's in the armed forces or a fireman, yeah. definitely a police officer, because I appreciate what they do. Anybody nurses. You oh, know, doctors, nurses, hell yes. You know, I, I have a, I supposedly get a new leg tomorrow. Nice. Uh, I'm going to take a picture of it because it's supposed to have like a cool design on it. So I'm excited about it. I'll put it on my Facebook page. And, uh, but, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking the people that I've had to see and, and help me through this entire process and continue mm-hmm. to help me through this entire process because it's never ending. Sure. But I thought about the fact that I went to therapy for so many months. Mm-hmm. And this lovely therapist that I had at Metro was just great to me. And I was like, why didn't I give her like the biggest hug ever? And thank you and flowers. So I'm going to make a point to go up there uh, sometime next week and just do that. Sure. Because she deserves it. And all of these people do. And it's, it's it's the littlest things. Man. It it's is. like. Like, like you had, you had the, the nurses from the, from the burn unit on what, two months ago or so, I guess that would have been. Yeah. And I pledged to, and I sent them a case of books, you know, as, as we had talked about, they sent me the nicest email just about, Oh, can't thank you enough for blah, 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 blah. And, and I, you know, I, I didn't need anything from it. I just wanted to give back to the place that gave me my life. You know, I mean, it, it was not a, it was not one of those, one of those mo- moments in my life where it's like, well, here's where I can get some attention. It was just, it was just, uh, you know what they were on, they were doing something cool. And I felt the need to do something cool back to say, Hey, thanks for what you gave me. And I did. And they were thrilled. And as far as I know, they gave out the books and, you know, it helped some people and 
dude, that's what it's all about. How many how many coins you put in the good karma basket compared to the bad karma basket? I guess. I mean, uh, a lot of people are sending in texts. Somebody wants to know where's the third district. I believe it's downtown area. We'll find out before June 21st. We'll we'll find out before June 21st. We'll let you know. Um, It is. There's nothing wrong with being a good person. That's why one of the things, one of the many things I want to change about this show is that I'm not going to let people come on here and disrespect our police. I'm not going to let them disrespect our armed forces. Again, there's bad in every profession. And so, yes, time to time, we're going to have to do stories about things that suck and our cops made mistakes and we will do those stories. And I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But we're going to continue to thank them. Of course. Uh, And that is my plan. Anyways, yeah, June 21st. Somebody said June 21st. Yeah. Um, Smoke and rock and roll. Food truck will serve the police. I will hopefully be there. I'm going to need to get a ride. <laughs> Unless I'm driving by then. My plan is to be driving by then. Nice. Um, Joe Burdick from Burdick Custom Flag is going to be giving them a flag. And uh, I talked to Joe today. Okay. And he's excited about it. He's excited about getting on board with everything once again. Good. Uh, we're still looking for sponsors. We have some lined up, but we're still looking for people to just help pay for the meal. Yeah, sure. That's all we're basically asking for is, you, you know, the, Got to pay for, you know, the food has to be paid for. You know, of course, sure. We're giving it to them, but. Uh, well, someone so got to pay for it. <laughs> anybody that wants to donate. Sure. Sponsor one of the events, you can email SethWilliams32 at Yahoo.com. SethWilliams32 at Yahoo.com. Um, so I'm excited about that venture. I think that'll be cool. I also That's called cool. Joe today. Get this, dude. All and right. we'll wrap things up. But oh, good. Um, I bought a grill. Mm-hmm. For my house. Okay. Because it's always been a dream of mine to have a house. Sure. Nice patio and a grill. Okay. All right. I'm not, I like to cook. I do. Sure. But I'm tired of cooking in the kitchen. It gets hot. It's stupid. And it's the same food all the time. But that's why I want a grill. I want to try some grilled salmon, which I've never had before. It's good. I got a freezer full of chicken thighs and breasts, yeah, right, that are ready to go. I went to Costco and I bought barbecue sauce, and the barbecue sauce that I, they have at Costco is enough to like serve an army. You think? I mean, there's a big <laughs> and so I'm ready to grill. Sure. I even went outside out and I got myself like the grilling tools. Okay. That look cool, like the brushes and all kind of yeah. stuff. And, tongs whatever stuff that i don't even know what it is but it said it's for a grill <laughs> and so i bought it i got an apron ready to go right I am, the only problem is is that i don't trust myself to put a grill together plus <laughs> i have a fake leg right. it's not easy to get down on the ground and start screwing pieces in together right and get this thing up and running then I don't have the tools. I've never been handyman. Even I, I like have a house now and stuff. Sure. I don't have like tools to do stuff. And so I'm terrified. Well, me and my daughter put together some patio furniture. It was mm-hmm. cheap patio furniture, but it's wicker. Put it together. When we were done putting the patio furniture together, we have like four or five screws left. <laughs> so I don't know where they go. The furniture looks like it's put together well, 
But if you sit on it, you're probably screwed. Right. Because I don't know where these screws go. But they're, they look nice, so they're sitting there. But the grill is a different story. If I blow up the house or blow up the neighborhood, then we got a problem. So I had to call Joe to see if he could maybe come over and put this thing together. <laughs> put the grill together. Because all I have right now is basically a decorative grill box sitting in my living room <laughs> for like a month and a half. Right. So. Well, you'll love it, dude. Once you get, it. I, I've got one. I did. The, it's funny. You're you're describing what I did literally ten years ago. Got the grill. My my ex bought it for me for um, Father's Day one year. Yeah. Put that stuff. But but it was the whole thing. It was the the. In fact, it was Cleveland Browns tongs and Cleveland Browns. It was all Cleveland Browns. Cleveland <laughs> Browns cover, you know, the big expensive grill. And, man, I used the hell out of that thing. I mean, I used it to death, cooked everything on it. I was out there cooking corn and, you know, it didn't It didn't have to be meat after a while. It was anything. It was like, it was like look, if I've got, if I've got um, aluminum, aluminum foil, I wrap it up, throw it on the grill. I didn't care what it was. Yeah, so Ramen, might, sure, why not? <laughs> I might actually enjoy vegetables if I grilled them. Yeah, so it's a different, it's a different animal. It's a different taste. And it's fish awesome. is great on the grill. See, I, I've never had anything other than like Gordon's fish sticks. So oh, I'm no. assuming that like a good fish on a grill yeah. might be kind of tasty. Dude, you'd get some good salmon. You wrap it up in tin foil. You soak it in like some lemon juice or something, and then cook it on the grill for about thirty minutes or so. That's good eats there, my friend. Wouldn't the store put it together for you? No, they 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 dropped the box off at my front door, and then it took you, me like three years to pull it in. Yeah. My front door was open for like three days because it was stuck in the middle <laughs> of the doorway. You could actually call Amazon, and they'll. I I think that Amazon does have a grill put together department, and they'll come out to your house and do it. But really, yeah. I call them Angie's Angie's list. Angie's list, yeah. And I said, okay, let me, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. They have like handyman to come over and fix your stuff. Well, they wanted a minimum of like 250 oh, bucks, yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I said, dude, this girl's going to take you like 20 minutes to put together if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying $250 for that. No, no, there's bound to be a handyman. There's bound to be a handyman listening that would do it for a plug on the show or whatever. I mean, for $250, that guy better come over, put the grill together cook on the grill for me, serve me the meal, and then come back the next day to do the same thing all over again. And clean the grill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited to actually get the thing up and running. I'm excited to actually do it. So Joe said at some point he's going to come over and and do that for me. Very cool. uh, Joe's a good man. Bird of Custom Flags. If you haven't got one of those flags, check them out on Facebook and and get one of the flags because they're absolutely amazing. Uh, But that's not why I'm talking about them. Talk about all of our sponsors. Charlie sure. Charlie Kalani is going to come on and give an update. If you listened last week, he had some problem with the city of Lakewood. Uh, he's going to have an update for us, I think, next week, Chris. So okay. Very good. Going to be cool. And then on Wednesday, in just a couple of days, Charles Guile, a good friend of mine, good friend of the Triv Show, uh, did a lot of stuff for Coach for Kids. Um, he's a one-man band. Seriously. Like, literally, he is a one-man band. Charles Guile and his ghost band, and they travel all throughout the city playing different bars, and he uh, had some heart issues, Mm. had a quintuple bypass. And so uh, he is going to be on the show on Wednesday to tell us how his recovery is going. I know that's got to be a a major one. Yeah, that's that's the big one, isn't it? 
So he'll tell us uh, everything that happened to him and what's going on. Uh, we'll have some more stuff on, on Wednesday as well. Tony Masashi will be on. I think he's going to be at a another wing place. Right. Not in Little Italy this time. So Right. He's going to be chowing down on some wings and some burgers. So we'll talk to Tony. Right. And, uh, again, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, I am moving forward. I don't want any more arguing, no more yelling. Sure. We can have different opinions on stuff. But I'm I'm done with the belittling. I'm done with everything uh, that is negative. I'm going to be positive. I want the show to be positive. I want it to be fun. And I want it to be successful for myself, the people that sponsor it, and for everybody listening. Because right that's the goal here. Absolutely. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to enjoy it. <laughs> right. And uh, I want to have some fun while I got the chance. So sure. No thank question. you for coming on tonight. I'll talk sure. to you Wednesday. Sounds good. Um, Natalie says, maybe your wife can put it together. <laughs> All right. Oh, real quick, before we get out of here. So yesterday, I was talking to my wife. We had to go to somebody's house for something. Okay. And I said, yeah, this person has an unusual name, but this person is an aquatic specialist at, Pet- okay. at Petco. Aquatic specialist at Petco. Sure. And... My wife looks at me straight, dead straight face, and she wasn't mm-hmm. joking. Right. And she goes, oh, is that the guy that teaches the dogs how to swim? <laughs> what? I said, no. Honey, it's the person that deals with the fish. Yeah. At the pet store. <laughs> and she really thought that it was a person at the pet store that could teach dogs how to swim <laughs> i tried to explain that no they don't have little floaties for the the dog to put on or right. the big spaghetti noodles to, for the dog to hang on how to swim right and this is a person that deals with fish right so if you think that that woman god love her and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me and takes care of me like you can't believe is sure. going to put together a propane grill that i'm going to cook on you got another thing coming <laughs> nice Dude, real quick before we go, let me tell you a story real quick that's related to this show. So, as you're aware, uh, Tony was out at Geraci's one, what, a month ago, maybe? Two weeks, three weeks ago, whatever it was. And I went, I decided I wanted to go to Geraci's from seeing the show. Yeah. So, I, I go... On um, last week to Geraci, I looked it up. There's four locations listed on the yeah. on the thing, so I went to the one closest to me, which was out in Mayfield, and I, I was all set to eat. And I mean, the food looked so good on on the show and everything that I couldn't wait to get there. Right, I get to the Geraci's in Mayfield. It's maybe the size of this room if you cut it in half. Right. <laughs> it's and it has like two booths, both of them are full, you know. Now, and, and I, I didn't end up eating at Jurassic's as much as I wanted to, and as much as the show sold me on it, I ended up I ended up eating at an Indian restaurant that was in the same plaza because there was nowhere for me to sit to actually eat at this Jurassic's. It was crazy. But, well, we're, we're gonna have Jurassic's at the big one at some point. Yeah, well, this one certainly ain't the big one. This is <laughs> this one is the size of a closet, but 
looked like a nice place. I just didn't eat there, so I'm not bashing it. It just, just was funny. I was so set to have that big experience like Tony showed us. Yeah. And instead, it was like a two-booth pizza shop. Yeah, I've been to one of those, and I am actually bigger than the restaurant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> walk in. <laughs> Too funny. But thank you again, Chris. I do appreciate it. Of course, man. And God willing, I'll talk to you Wednesday, and uh, we'll have some fun. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And God willing, talk to you later. See you. Yeah.